ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Where's your America listeners? Welcome to my 308th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, multimedia personality based in Alabama who has covered the Alabama Crimson Tide football team for years. So welcome to April, and snow is falling here this morning in Boston as it is at Yankee Stadium uh, with their home opener scheduled today. That's, of course, a huge week in sports. Of course, we have the national championship game tonight, Villanova and Michigan. And also, it's Masters Week, a week like no other. And uh, the Masters machine is cranking up. As an example, received an email this morning from Lacoste, the famed sportswear brand. Uh sending me the outfits that Lacoste ambassador Daniel Berger will be wearing, uh, his scripting uh, for Masters Week, Thursday through Sunday. So it was great to see that and really start to get into Masters Week and all that goes along with it. It's going to be awesome. Again, a week like no other. But before we get into the Masters, we also have basketball front and center. And my highlight of the week is not the NCAA Men's Final Four, but the Women's Final Four, where Arike Agonbawale, hope I got that pronunciation correct or close, hit an amazing two buzzer beaters over the weekend to win the national championship for Notre Dame. I was fortunate enough to be watching both live. I tuned in Friday night uh, when they were playing UConn, and just an amazing, amazing game. Uh, went to overtime, and uh, UConn, to their credit, was down twice by five points late in regular in the regular. Uh, game and also again in overtime they fought back both times to uh tie the game and then arike did her thing and just hit an amazing shot to win the game literally at the buzzer a walk off and it was just uh amazing to watch and then even more amazing was last evening when Notre Dame was down five 
in the last minute or so. And uh, to Mississippi State, <clears throat> who was seeking their first national championship in any sport. And you may remember Mississippi State beat UConn last year on a buzzer beater in the national semifinal. And uh, and it happened again. Uh, Notre Dame got the ball with three seconds to go. And Arike again hit just an even more remarkable shot, three-pointer, uh, off balance from the corner on the run, and nothing but net with a high arc to the shot. So it like just hung up there forever. And it was just tremendous, tremendous theater. Uh, you had to feel bad for Mississippi State. It looked like they just had it. They've been on a mission ever since they beat UConn last year. But then, lost in the national championship game to University of South Carolina. And it looked like they were finally going to, again, get their first national championship in any sport. So just a remarkable weekend. One of the more clutch performances you'll ever see from any athlete in any sport. Kobe Bryant was in attendance, and he and Enrique seemed to have a connection. And uh, so that added a lot to it. The game's uh, Final Four weekend was out in Columbus, Ohio. Great crowds and just really tremendous theater. That leads into my bizarre story of the week, which was UConn losing two years in a row on a buzzer beater from basically the exact same spot, right side of the circle. Uh, last year, again, to Mississippi State, and this year to Notre Dame. Uh, they were undefeated this year. And, of course, last year when they lost at the buzzer beater again in the national semifinal game, it ended their 111-game winning streak. So just bizarre how after all their success, 11 national championships, uh, they would lose two years in a row, both with undefeated teams, both as the prohibitive favorite to win it all. And to lose not only on two buzzer beaters, but basically from almost the exact same spot on the floor each year. But again, they have won the 11 national championships and it just feels like, uh, you know, these things tend to balance out. Uh, all credit to Gino Ariema and UConn as a whole, who handled both losses with just uh, great class no excuses, no nothing, congratulating the other team. Gino was terrific and just handles it with a, with a certain calm. And, uh, you know, he, he really gets it. I've covered him many times, the UConn women up here in New England. And, uh, you know, Gino is just uh, a very, very impressive guy, as you can well imagine. And so it was just... Uh, uh, wonderful to see him be so gracious in defeat as he has been in victory, of which there have been a whole lot of them over the years. Uh, so they finish the season at 36 and one. Mississippi State finishes the season at 37 and one, but neither come away with the title as Notre Dame uh, wins it in the most amazing fashion possible. It's their first national championship. I was surprised since 2001, much longer than I thought since they're in the hunt every year. 
So it was uh, just really uh, a great weekend of women's college basketball, to say the least. But my low light of the week was actually the men's Final Four on Saturday night, where basically there was just no drama to speak of. Uh, Loyola Chicago and Sister Jean finally ran out of gas in the second half against Michigan. They looked good in the first half. And then uh, you really thought they were like capable of pulling it off. One of the most incredible runs in college basketball history. And then they just went flat in the second half. And and Michigan, to their credit, rose to the occasion and uh, won handily. And then Villanova, Kansas, the game that we were all waiting for, two number one seeds. Uh, It just simply never delivered. There's no other way to say it. Uh, Villanova just came out on absolute fire. Uh, just draining three-pointers like we've never seen before, setting records. They broke the record for a Final Four game for three-pointers by halftime. They had leads up around 19 points, 20 points in the first half. Uh, And it was just quite the shooting display. It was remarkable to watch. Of course, Villanova was up here in Boston when they won the NCAA East Regional last week, last weekend. And uh, Nova Nation uh, assembled in Boston, went went to a Villanova watch party uh, last weekend, Sunday, and that was great. So Nova Nation is poised and ready for what, uh, you know, what looks like an impending national championship. They just look unstoppable. All the ingredients are there. They have a great bench. They have members of the team from uh, two years ago that won the national championship uh, on, of course, Chris Jenkins' now famous shot. Uh, Jay Wright, great coach. Jalen Brenson, pretty much consensus player of the year. Uh, is just a leader like no other in college basketball today. So uh, it is really uh, fun to watch him. I'm, of course, a Villanova fan, having uh, grown up in Pennsylvania, and I've always liked him going back to the uh, Howard Porter, Chris Ford, and even Tom Inglesby days of 1971 when they were in the Final Four. And uh, so it looks like they're ready to wear the crown. Uh, Not to in any way sell Michigan short, but Villanova has generally looked like the best team all year. And they certainly look like that on Saturday night. Again, just spectacular, spectacular display of shooting from all their players. And that's their secret. It's really seven, maybe eight players on Villanova can shoot the three. And uh, their big men, you know, were hitting them on Saturday night. And it was just, uh, you know, remarkable to watch. But in the same light, on what is typically one of the great sports nights of the year in all of American sports, meaning Saturday at the Final Four, two games on Saturday night. uh, Always something to get excited about, but you're also always hoping for 
you know, buzzer beaters. That's what the, uh, the NCAA is really all about at the end of the day. And we didn't even come close. Um, I think we were hoping for, certainly I was hoping for a Kansas-Duke type game. Uh, when Villanova played Michigan, we didn't get that. We, in effect, got the exact opposite. Uh, Kansas, obviously historic, historic program. They just had no idea what hit them. There is no other way to say it. Um, I think it was, they scored the first two points of the game. That was the only lead of the game. Uh, up to nothing, 30, 35 seconds in. And then Villanova just went wild <clears throat> from that point on. So, it's, uh, it's going to be fun. Looks like San Antonio, where I've spent a lot of time, has been just a great host city. No surprise with the Riverwalk and uh, the Alamo Dome, where I have spent countless, countless hours for the U.S. Army All-American Bowl and covering new Youth National Football Championships for years out in San Antonio. Uh, uh, I know the Alamo Dome maybe better than any other stadium. Uh, having spent, again, countless, countless hours there covering games, writing stories. And uh, so it, it just, uh, it's a perfect, perfect size for basketball. It's a stadium that seats around in the 40s. And it just simply is, uh, you know, as you can see on TV, it's just somewhat compact for a football stadium, but expansive for basketball, uh, befitting a Final Four, which so often looks so cavernous in those massive arenas. But for the Alamo Dome, it's downright cozy, just perfect. I think it's really, again, coming across really nicely on TV where uh, the fans are, you know, right on top of them. There's no bad seats. So it's uh, it's going to be a great night. Great night. Uh, don't count out Michigan. But if Villanova comes out like Saturday night, uh, nobody in the country could beat them. And that, that includes probably half the NBA teams. So with that said, uh, it's time to take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert. A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports, so don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one. 1- 888-346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net and it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert A.P. Stedham veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports joins us and A.P. how you doing today? Hey doing great John glad to be on the show thank you for having me well we're glad to have you as always and uh here we are, National Championship Monday. Uh, should be an interesting game tonight, uh, but if Villanova comes out even close to the way they come out on Saturday night, uh, it, it could be another uh, easily uh, another game decided early, uh, which happened in both games on Saturday night. So, what are your thoughts about Villanova, Michigan tonight? Well, I think before the tournament, uh, somebody posed a question to me about which teams to watch out for as, as they were making progress uh, through the brackets. And I said, Loyola of Chicago, I mean, they were very interesting because I just liked the way they played, their enthusiasm, and they had people who can score, five people that can score, and uh, they played well, you know, uh, as a team. And then I liked Villanova because of their mental toughness and their coach on the sideline, he was cool and collected and had been there before. So Villanova made it through all, all the way to the championship game, and Loyola Chicago came very close. Uh, Michigan is a good team because I think they have an excellent coach. They have some outstanding talent. One thing I would fear if I was Villanova, I don't think Michigan has shot very well the last few ball games. So they put 99 on Texas A&M in one of the games. I can't remember which one exactly, but they're they're kind of due to have a good shooting night. And so that would scare me a little bit about Villanova, but if somebody had asked me, I'd say Villanova's the favorite. Uh, I just like the way they, they play as a team. They have people that you must guard all over the court, which makes it diff- difficult defensively because you're always closing out, and that tires out the other team. So uh, that's why I like Villanova. They they don't panic. They just stay in there, and, and uh, they're able to counter all these different runs that occur in a basketball game. Well, exactly right. Well said. Good analysis. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just can't not go with Villanova based on their three-point barrage on Saturday night, setting records not only for – Postseason, but for regular season, most threes ever 
by any team in NCAA history. They also set the record for most three-pointers in a game before halftime, by the way, on Saturday night. Uh, you know, I mean, it was just unbelievable. Uh, seven, eight guys easily able to shoot the three, including the bigs. Uh, they just rained threes down on them. I've never seen anything quite like it, uh, especially in the first half, but they still had a lot left in the second half to, you know, coast to victory against a really good Kansas team that just beat Duke last Sunday and has all the history in the world uh, on their side as well, Blue Blue Blood program. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Villanova, you know, it, clearly they're the, they've been – the best team all year in what has been a crazy year where there are quote, no favorites, but at this point you just have to make them the favorite. And even last Sunday up here in Boston against Texas tech, they, uh, you know, they won ugly, which is not something they typically need to do, but they did in that game. I think they only shot four for 20 something against Texas tech from three point land. Uh, I mean, they had four three-pointers in the first five minutes on Saturday night. Literally. I'm not kidding. And uh, so, yeah, they just look poised and ready. And for me, the most important thing is, you know, uh, we're talking about a team that won it two years ago. So players on the floor tonight were on that team. They may not have been that team's stars, but they were certainly in the mix. A mere two years ago, Phil Booth being one and one for sure. <clears throat> Jay Wright. I mean, Villanova is just, you, you know, you, you now have to call this program elite, blue blood, whatever you want to say. Uh, it's all come together, and we'll see if they can pull it off for, you know, one more night. And, and, and I'm guessing they will. Yeah, John, there's no one on that team that's in awe of the moment. I think Michigan's really the same way. They're a, a team that's comfortable with their personality and their the makeup of their roster. Uh, uh, Mo Wagner, he's he's been exceptional in in this. Exceptional. Uh, you know, if he if he starts making three pointers and some of the other players come around, it could be quite a game that comes down to the end. And we all know that Villanova uh, is familiar with those situations, as is Michigan in this tournament. Yes, and I do not in any way mean to sell Michigan short. I'm not. I'm not you know. They played great. Uh, Mo Wagner is indeed terrific. And they've had their own run here in the tournament. And, you know, got to give them a lot of, cre- lot of credit. They were the team that, uh, you know, finally ended Loyola Chicago's magic run. Um, my take on that was Loyola Chicago simply ran out of gas. You know, just unfortunate timing. They looked good in the first half. Michigan had an early lead. And then Loyola came storming back to be leading by as many as 10. Um, but then it, it, they ran out of gas. I don't think it was I – don't, I don't recall seeing a team run out of gas, uh, uh, you know, uh, for all to see on the national stage at the worst possible moment for them. Uh, but, you know – uh, they did, and Michigan took full advantage and, you know, very high-quality team. I mean, they were a big reason that Loyola ran out of gas. They're Michigan's relentless is how I, how I see that team. 
Yeah, absolutely, John. Uh, early on in the ball game, Loyola had some opportunities close to the basket on some layup attempts, and they missed. And it was one after the other, and that was their their moment to, to take a big lead, I thought. But and, but they still went on to overcome the deficit and get out in front, as you said. But they couldn't hold on, just not enough uh, shots, shot making that day. But it was great to watch that run. And you, all these other teams, I, I, I'm always watching these games, John, and thinking athletic directors and presidents are looking at a Loyola Chicago and saying, how come we can't be in the Final Four? This is Loyola Chicago. And that not, there's not one player on our team that was uh, even considered, uh, you know, to play a, somewhere like Loyola Chicago. And they're getting uh, talent levels that's way uh, different than ours in a, in a Power Five conference, and we can't even make it to the Sweet 16. Absolutely. The ripple effect of this is just massive. You know, we've seen it before with, you know, George Mason and VCU, but most notably, we've seen it with Butler. And by that, I mean, you know, Butler not only was one Gordon Hayward midcourt shot away from beating Duke, you know, they returned the next year, had a flat game and lost to UConn in the national championship game. But most importantly, Butler is now, you know, a certifiably excellent top flight program, uh, you know, in, in American basketball. And so, you know, if that's what I'm really looking at. So to me, Butler is like the standard. And I would think that, you know, everything is in place for Loyola Chicago to be them, to become like the next Butler. And that, that means not just being, you know, a Final Four, or, you know, not just being, you know, making a tournament run and being the darling of America for, you know, three weeks. But, you know, I look at this team as maybe having set a foundation upon which they're going to build. They already had some history. Uh, they won the 1963 NCAA championship. Yeah. So there is a history there. They're, you know, in Chicago, for gosh sakes, great town. And the way that city got behind them, the way they play, the coach, all of it. Uh, you know, <clears throat> if you're a guy that's a great high school basketball player and, you know, you're not getting recruited by the Blue Bloods, uh, I could see looking to a Leola Chicago in a heartbeat to go to a school like that. So we shall see. But to me, it was the perfect Final Four mix AP in that, you know, again, we've seen it before. Butler, uh VMI, uh, as well as George Mason. And, you know, I think when you have one Cinderella and three Blue Bloods, that's the perfect menu uh, and perfect mix for everybody around the country to get juiced for a Final Four. Yeah, John, I, th I think it was uh, a, a great, you know, four teams that they had in, that made it to the Final Four they all have different characteristics and personalities. And, you know, it's always nice to have the Cinderella at the dance. It makes it much more interesting. And as you said, Loyola of Chicago, if you're in the Midwest and you're a talent not being recruited by a major school, you're going to look to a team like Loyola of Chicago because it's in a big city. You're going to get some recognition 
and uh, now that you're on the, the forefront of, of you know the, the Cinderella type teams, and you have that media market like uh, a big the Windy City, it's a place that you might consider. I mean, you, you could be like the Villanova of the, the Midwest. Perfectly said. Going both. to Loyola Ch- Ch- Chicago, and uh, you know, especially schools like DePaul and University of Illinois, I'm sure they're getting a little bit of. Uh, you know, calls from some of their fans, alumni. Okay, with Loyola Chicago can have a winning season and make it to the Final Four. We can do better. So it puts a little pressure on some of the teams in the state, I would think. Oh, absolutely, no question about it. Uh, no, it was just a, a fabulous run. And by the way, I mentioned Shaka Smart, uh, and I meant to say VCU. I think I said VMI, but of course VCU, Shaka. Yeah is now coaching at Texas, but no, it was just, uh, you know, wonderful, wonderful run. One of the best in the history of the NCAA. You mix in a sister gene and you have basically the perfect formula. They won their first three games by four points total, uh, buzzer beater after buzzer beater. So, I mean, it, it was just, you know, one of the great runs in college basketball history and, you know, they made it. I mean, they got to the Final Four. There's a lot to be said for that, to put it mildly. So, uh, and America loved them, no question. Yeah, they're a great representation of how the game should be played and their spirit, their enthusiasm, their, their coaching resurgence. Uh, he was on Rick Majerus' staff after being fired at Illinois State, of all places, right? Right. And you bring another team from Illinois to the prominence. That's quite a story. No doubt about it. Way P, hard to believe we're at the end of our first segment, so why don't we take a break? Still a whole lot more to get to, and we'll do so on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-294. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? 
If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football as well as many other sports. And AP, we talked last segment about the men's Final Four, but the women's Final Four was unbelievable over the weekend. You and I have covered the UConn women together uh, many times down in Connecticut for various uh, tournaments, what have you, championships, all that. uh, And AP, it's amazing that they've lost on buzzer beaters twice in the semifinal game on basically the shot from the exact same spot on the floor from right, right to the right of the circle, right of the foul line. And I was struck on Saturday, on Friday evening when uh, Notre Dame hit that game winner. And it was basically from the exact same spot where UConn had been, had their hearts broken the year before by Mississippi state. Yeah, John, it was incredible that <clears throat> that one player would lead yep. Notre Dame to victory. So <clears throat> you have to, I mean, that, you know, that's an indelible uh, image in everyone's mind, the same player with game-winning shots to win the semifinal and the national championship. And then the other thing that struck me was uh, Muffet McGraw said, I don't think we've have, we'd have more ACL tears than losses. Right, right. That was a great line. So the, yeah, so, you know, four ACL tear, tears uh, by those individual players, but only three losses for the season. I mean, that was the, one of the phenomenal coaching jobs ever in college basketball. I mean, who could ever win a championship with, uh, you know, four players having ACL tears? So you, you won it with, like, maybe seven or eight players on your squad. Definitely. It was just uh, a remarkable run. I mean, Notre Dame is a power in women's college basketball. They're always in the hunt. So right off the bat, AP, I was surprised that it was their first national championship since 2001. seems like they're in the final four most every year. So I, I was really surprised by that. But yes, uh, what they did, <clears throat> you know, within 48 hours, uh and I'm going to try to get this pronunciation as best I can. Arike Gunbawali. 
uh, it was just remarkable. I mean, again, we already discussed the shot to beat UConn on Friday night. And then, uh, again, like 40, 45 hours later, she comes back. And for her to take that inbounds pass, which was starting to look shaky, three seconds to go, <clears throat> she basically almost snatched it out of the inbounder's hand. She went right over in front of her. <laughs> later said she was saying, you know, give me the ball, give me the ball. And then uh, <clears throat> immediately went to her right and just off balance, basically, you know, jumped off her left foot and was practically horizontal, and it was a heave. There is no other way to say it. it. It was more a heave than a shot, and the arc on it was remarkable. It seemed like it just hung up there forever and then just came down nothing but net. So it, it was just really, really special stuff. Yeah, what I liked about her shot was she took it with authority. A lot of times Correct. Correct. in the men's game or other even the women's game probably as well. When they shoot the ball, they're leaning in, hoping for the foul. She just went up in the air, almost her normal jump shot, and and she was disregarded any anybody guarding her. And like as I said, she went up strong and attempted the shot, and it went in. A lot of times when I'm watching these games at the end, they're making a drive to the basket. They're not sure if they're going to take the 15-foot jumper or go all the way to the basket. They stop around eight feet, kind of lean in and throw something up. Where she just said, okay, I've I got a couple seconds. I'm going to dribble. I'm going to turn around and just fire it up there and just force my way through the defender, which she did, and the ball went through. So she did her best Jerry West, Michael Jordan uh you know, interpretation of, of winning a game, and she, she'll go down with the best of them. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And by no means am I understating her shot by calling it a heave. I even listened to the announcement again, and the word one of the announcers used was, you know, hoisted, which may be a better word. Oh, yes. Ho- you oh, know, oh, yeah. um, both of those are appropriate. Yeah, both of those words are appropriate, but she went up strong. Yeah, and at the same time, I'm thinking, like, you know, no way this is going in again. Uh, I'm also thinking at the exact same time, yeah. like, well, if anybody can make this shot, it's her. So, you know, right. a lot of thoughts cross your mind in a split second in that situation. And, uh, you know, and she, but she nailed it. I mean, again, it, it was, you know, nothing but net, to put it mildly. It was a perfect swish and uh, just amazing. I mean, it, it was her moment in time, to say the least. Yeah, and one thing about Notre Dame, John, over the years, they've been able to compete with the Yukons of the world. They can put the ball in the basket. I mean, that's yes. the name of the game uh, when it comes down to, especially uh, when you don't need, you know, you don't need a lot of athleticism uh, to be overwhelming in the women's game because it's you're passing, you're cutting, you're setting up your shooters. So if you have high-level skilled players. As you see with Villanova, they make shots. So Correct. the coach does not the coach does not have to diagram every play because whoever gets the ball in their hand, they've been practicing this practicing this moment their whole life. Catch and shoot, catch and shoot, and, and they're very successful. They're high percentage shooters. Right, and you know, basically. Uh... You know, Arike said that after the game. She's been practicing that very situation 
her whole life and commented to her and her teammate do it practically every night in the gym. And yeah, this stuff doesn't happen by accident by any means. Uh, you know, most importantly, she wanted the ball. That, that at the end of the day, that's the number one most important thing. With full self confidence that she was going to make the the game winning shot, and you know, she wanted it even more so on Sunday in the wake of her buzzer beater on Friday. So it was great stuff you know that's just going to be the all-time standard of course both games on saturday for the first time ever went into overtime uh as well and uh you know notre dame beating louisville and of course uh or notre dame beating yukon and then uh, mississippi state beating louisville and there was great comebacks by the way that's one of the things i liked you know yukon came back twice from down five uh, yeah. with a minute or so to go, regulation and overtime. And then, uh, and of course, uh, Mississippi State had a five-point lead over uh, Notre Dame with, you know, down around a minute to go as well. So uh, each one of these games featured, you know, what I'll call mini comebacks with the pressure on. I mean, both these shots had to be made to even get to the point where Arike could make the game-winning shot. So, fabulous stuff, AP. It was really, uh, you know, as enjoyable uh, game-enders as you could ever want to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, I have to salute Mississippi State as well for making a return to the championship game and just falling short. But that's very difficult to get back to that position. Uh, I don't, you know... They set a new standard for themselves, of course, at Mississippi State. Now that's going to be expected to be in the tournament and, and compete at a high level and make their way through the bracket. So that's something good for the Southeastern Conference. Another team is on the national scene. Oh, yeah. Well, kind of crazy, AP. Mississippi State finishes 37-1. and UConn finishes 36-1. and But I felt bad for... Mississippi State, you know, they've been on a mission since they beat UConn last year in the Final Four and a buzzer beater, but then lost the national championship game to South Carolina. But more importantly, when I heard watching yesterday that it would have been their first national championship in any sport, you know, at that moment, I have to admit, I immediately began rooting for them. I just thought, you know, it's time. And, uh, wasn't to be, but I really did feel bad for them. They, they were shell-shocked. Yeah, they played exceptional throughout the tournament, and uh, they, were, they, were only, they had one other loss down with South Carolina, believe it or not, in the championship game of the, the league. And then to lose again in the national championship, those are two heartbreaking losses because they were undefeated all through the season. Correct. In league play until, the, until they played South Carolina. Uh, for the uh, tournament championship, league tournament championship. Right, I- exactly. And uh, so, yeah, it was just a remarkable weekend. Well, let's just hope that tonight's national championship game can be uh, somewhere half as good as last night's women's national championship game. If, <laughs> if that happens, I think we're all going to be happy, and uh, hopefully it will. So, AP, hard to believe we've been gotten through another segment very quickly, it seems. 
but why don't we take our break and we'll get to a few more things uh, on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. We're some America listeners. Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football as well as many other sports. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is obviously tonight's national championship game, Villanova versus Michigan. Should be fun. Can't wait. Hard to believe the season will be over after that for college basketball. But AP, there was uh, a little more than basketball going on over the weekend down there in uh, San Antonio. It was also the Hall of Fame announcement. Yeah, John, the the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame had their announcements on Saturday. It was quite a class, as you could imagine. Uh, some of the notable names, uh, Ray Allen, uh, you're familiar with him, as, as I, uh, from UConn. He, uh, one story, I, I remember speaking to Ray, and he he said that, uh, that th- I asked him this question one time, he said the three schools he was considering was Kentucky, uh, UConn, and Alabama. And I said, uh, Alabama must have been your third choice. He goes, no, actually, I committed to them. So that was wow. a story in and of itself, yeah. And, I never knew uh, that. He ended up going to U- yeah, yeah, yeah. He ended up going to UConn, but I got to know Ray. He had a few basketball camps. My friend used to run, actually. But he's, he's a great guy, shooter. Yeah, good ambassador for the game of basketball for UConn athletics. Uh, he just came out with a new book as well, so the timing was perfect for him. Uh, then you had, you know, Mo Cheeks from Philadelphia, outstanding point guard. He's kind of underrated and maybe undervalued by some, but basketball aficionados, they understand his importance as a point guard and as a defender and as a, a capable scorer as well. I think he was from Chicago, played at West Texas State, if I remember right. Yeah, and played on those great 
sixer teams with Andrew Tony and Moses Malone and a tremendous yeah. player to say the least. Yeah. And before I forget, and, and, uh, you know, back to Ray Allen, uh, I met him down at the Children's Miracle Golf, Children's Miracle Network Golf Tournament uh, a few years back when it was uh, being held at Disney World and Doc Rivers was in it, as was Johnny Damon. Uh, you know, a lot of pro am events and whatnot, and he's just a tremendous guy. And he, of course, uh, you know, did great things up here for the Celtics too. So Ray Allen, I, I was really glad to see him. I think he's still the all-time three-point leader in the NBA, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, certainly being threatened, if not already passed, by Steph Curry, but his three-point shooting will never be forgotten, to say the least. Yeah, no, he had the stroke. I mean, even first time he had the stroke. watched him play, that was his, that was his uh, forte, making those shots with that nice, smooth release, and he could elevate on a jump shot. From Dalzell, South Carolina. Exactly. Um, but I didn't mean to interrupt, AP. We talked about Ray Allen, of course, and Mo Cheeks, but there are many others as well. Uh, yeah, Lefter Giselle comes to mind. He He's a colorful character. He's graduated from Duke and the old lefty. Uh, he, he was always a, a quotable when he was coaching. Uh, I can recall him the first time was at Davidson uh, and they were playing North Carolina at the NCAA tournament. There was a huge photo of, of all people, Charlie Scott making a jump shot to beat Davidson and Mike Malloy in sports illustrated. And, uh, but, but lefty was, he was a really interesting person. I had a chance to speak to him one time at the final four about 20 years ago. And we were talking about a particular player and I asked him, said, you know, how was so-and-so when he said, Oh, he's not worth a darn. Of course, he's another word, but uh, he's out there smoking a cigar in front of the hotel. And then he asked me if I knew I knew his boy Hathaway. I said, Coach, I don't really know your boy Hathaway. Well, he was speaking of Jeff Hathaway, the former manager of Maryland basketball as a student. Then he went out to be, become the athletic director at University of Connecticut and the chairman of the whole NCAA tournament some years ago. But uh, that that was the story I had about Lefty Giselle. Lefty Giselle. He's great. I grew up not that far from, uh, you know, uh, just a few hours away from College Park, University of Maryland. And he, of course, uh, I always remember him for being successful in recruiting uh, Tom McMillan, who was at the time maybe, maybe the greatest high school basketball player in the history of America. When he first came out, he was from Pennsylvania, six foot eleven on the cover of Sports Illustrated while still in high school. That's rare air. Only a few have ever <laughs> had that honor. And when Lefty Drizel swooped into Pennsylvania and recruited him out of Mansfield, I think it was, was his hometown. Uh, right. That's right. Gigantic news. I mean, it, it was like, uh, I mean, if, if, if that happened today, it would just be, you know, Twitter and the Internet would be broken. Um, so yeah, so he, he was, Tom McMillan was LeBron before LeBron. He really was. He was that, that great of a high school basketball player, six foot 11 left-hander, you know, good career at Maryland, good career in the pros, uh, you know, never achieved quote LeBron status, but I believe he 
became like a, a, a senator or something. Yeah, right. He was he worked in Washington. Yeah, he's in politics. I think he's a congressman for a very very long time. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. if he became a senator. I think it was a congressman. I believe. Yeah. So he, he had a wonderful life. In, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think he's still involved in sports to some degree, John, with these different panels that try to improve athletics. That's correct. That's correct. And uh, so, yeah, a, a career actually pretty similar to Bill Bradley along those lines. Uh, yes. You know, so, yeah, and so there's still some other big names in the Hall of Fame as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Charlie Scott, we mentioned earlier with Lefty Giselle, he was the first African-American, the Dean Smith recruit to the University of North Carolina. Charlie's from New York City, I believe. And, and uh, I loved him. Six foot six. Six foot six guard. He's very athletic, always energetic, going to the basket, had a good jump shot, and, you know, won a championship with the Celtics, played with, I think, the Virginia Squires, and went to Phoenix. I think the Celtics got him in a trade or something that effect, I believe, the, or I can't remember which way he went. It was Westfall, traded, the Celtics traded Westfall to Phoenix for Charlie Scott and some other players, yep. I think. I remember he that. He was very good. He was, he, you know, he was very good, Charlie Scott, a long time favorite of fans and he he was a uh, very quotable as well and i think he became an attorney after his playing days i think but he was a pioneer in the acc especially at north carolina one of the greats of all time so you know i'd like to see charlie scott and then if you go down the list you have uh, you know jason kidd uh very athletic point guard did many things to win basketball games besides scoring points, uh, Grant Hill, son of Calvin Hill, the uh, Yale football player, Dallas Cowboys NFL player. Grant Hill was spectacular playing uh, a forward for Duke and won a couple of championships, I believe. And he's always been, will be remembered for, I think, that lob pass. Christian Leitner. Arkansas, I think it was, yeah. No, Kentucky. Yeah, played with Chris, Chris, Christian Leitner making that pass. That's you're right, making that pass, and was at the Elite Eight, I think, in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, he passed it the whole way to the opposite foul line, and Leitner, of course, turned around and uh, drained the shot to beat Kentucky. Maybe the most famous play in college basketball history. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then you had a, a few women. Uh, Katie Smith was actually. Uh, Katie Smith was a great player at Ohio State. She got her team to the national championship. It just so happened, I think she was there at the same time when um, Texas Tech uh, beat them in the championship. And Cheryl Swoops had, I think, 47. I think right. Katie Smith had 35 that game, and but the Ohio State lost in the foul. But she was, I think, she's all-time leading scorer, maybe WNBA. And, wow! What? Uh, and Tina, yeah, she was a great ball player, good shooter, strong. Okay. Well, AP, uh, hard to believe we've actually come to the NBA, to the end of our show, which featured a lot of basketball talk, of course. And uh, did we miss anybody else? Was there another? uh, Oh, Gina Thompson was a great. Gina Thompson. Gina Gina Thompson. Yeah, she was a great ball player. That. uh, Oh yeah. uh, Into the Hall of Fame, played for USC, and with all those championship teams with the Houston Comets. Excellent. Well, quite the basketball weekend. You know, I really like the way they do it with, you know, men's and women's Final Four on alternate nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. But it all wraps up tonight. Villanova, Michigan. Should be fun, AP. I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, it should be a great time. And uh, all the people can watch this game and there'll be some shining moments, right? <laughs> 
Shining moments. Exactly. Well, AP, thanks as always for calling in for your great uh, perspective and expertise. Well, thank you, John. It's always my pleasure. All right. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.